really, some of the stuff that we talk about is just incredibly straightforward. I mean, last week Isaiah talked about anger and unforgiveness. These are things that you see right off of the bat. But some things that they start to take over our hearts slowly. They start to kind of seep in. They start to change our mind and what we believe. It's, it's kind of like this. When I was a teenager, I would always work my summers at the church doing odd jobs. And a lot of times what they ended up having me do is painting. And at first I enjoyed painting, but after a while of painting, you start to hate painting. But uh, I remember one time they had me doing this incredibly, this long hallway, and I was going to paint the entire hallway, brand new color, all that kind of stuff. I was like, fine, we can do this. Well, what I didn't know was, one, how strong the paint was, uh, and two, that they had turned off the air. And so the air was off, all the doors were shut, and it was me in a close environment uh, with a lot of paint. And so I'm starting to paint this hallway, and I don't know how long I've been painting it. Um, actually, it got to a point where I'm just painting it. I think I'm almost done, and my dad walks in. He, he walks in, and he goes, hey, how, um, how long have you been painting in here? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, uh, what, what are you doing? He, I'm like, I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm painting. He goes, I, I think you need to step out. He goes, why? I'm like, he goes, I think you're high. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just, I'm perfectly fine. He has me step out. He goes, no doors are open, no windows. I said, yeah, it's fine. I don't smell anything. He goes, okay. He, he took me out. And I, and I remember going out and I sit down. I start to breathe regular air and I get a headache like almost immediately. He goes, how? I, I don't, I, you got to be careful. He goes, I think you're done for the day. I'm like, really? It's not that bad. He goes, no, let me show you. And he brings me back in. The hallway it was literally painted perfect, perfect, perfect. Then all of a sudden it starts going sideways and it's going off and all that. And I'm like, wow, how did this happen? He goes, well, you were high. I'm like, man, wish I would have known. Like I would have probably been like, oh, so this is what it's all about. Like I, but it was like one of those things, and here's what happened. It just happened over time. It was something that I wasn't even paying attention to. It was something I didn't even notice. But to everyone else around me, you could tell that I didn't know what I was doing. To everyone else around me, you could tell that it was, it was causing a problem. And so tonight we're talking about something that I think many of us don't think we have an issue with, but we all do in our hearts. And it's something that can grow over time. It's called entitlement. It's called entitlement. And it's something that, that is big in our country right now because it's this idea that I am owed something. I deserve something. I should have something. And there's so many different ways that it comes to us. I mean, even with Amazon, I mean, Amazon, it's like, man, I, I can order something. I get it two days later. Now you have Amazon now, which is prime now, which is two hours. I mean, if I'm hungry, I can get Uber Eats. It's like, come give me food. Like, we have this mentality, and then it goes even further than this with all the marketing that we have today. I mean, what's interesting to me, around Christmas time, according to marketers, I deserve a lot. Like, I deserve every car out there. Like, I deserve this, I deserve that, and that's what marketing does. Have you noticed that's what marketing does? It doesn't say you need this. It says you deserve this. I mean, what's crazy to me, even um, Ashley Madison, which was the website that was for finding someone to cheat with, was life is short, you deserve to cheat. And it's this idea that slowly has taken over our hearts and our minds where we have this idea that we deserve something. And what's, what's interesting is this, is once you believe you deserve something, you no longer are gracious for what you have. And it happens quickly. I remember I was leading a small group of guys um, one summer. I was doing a small group every single morning, uh, every week. And we were meeting over and over again. And basically about seven weeks into it, I had gotten up early by accident. And I was going by Krispy Kreme and the hot now light was on. So I'm like, I'll get donuts for everybody who doesn't like donuts. So I brought in donuts and the high school guys were like, this is amazing. You're the best leader ever. I know more about Jesus because you're here. Like they were just, they were thrilled about the donuts. Well, the next week 
I didn't even think about it. Like I got up my normal time, went in. Guys literally come in. They're like, where's the donuts? They're like, I was like, oh, I didn't bring them. I'm like, I, they're like, do you love us? Do you care about us? Like what, what's going on? And it's amazing. I mean, just think about it though. Think about like the time you went into work and they had something different. And you're like, oh, this is awesome. I could get used to this. But the next time that it's not there, we take it for granted. And this is what we do in our lives with relationships, with God, with everything around us, is we start to believe everyone owes us something. And what it does is it comes into our lives and it robs our relationships and it robs us of joy. Now, what, what, here's what it, it ends up doing is it changes our expectations of what we believe we should have. And here's what's the problem with entitlement is we automatically go to like the rich trust fund kid, like the kid that's like, oh, my car needs a uh, oil change, so I just should get a new one. Or, you know, that girl from Willy Wonka, you know, the girl that's like, daddy, I want an Oompa Loompa. You know, like that, like we think of, we think of that, we're like the extreme versions, but it's in every part of our lives. It's in the way that we treat our parents, the way we treat our siblings, uh, our friends, our boss, all of these things. It's something that slowly gets into our lives and it takes over. And so Jesus actually talks about this and he actually, he, he made up a parable just to illustrate how it gets into our lives in Matthew 20. And so we're going to look at that today. It says this in Matthew 19, 30, it says, But many who are the greatest now will be least important among them, and those who, who seem least important will now be the greatest then. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal wage and sent them out to work. It actually, what they said, he paid them a denarius, which was more than what they expected. It would be like nowadays, your average person, if you made minimum wage, it'd be like getting 15, 20 bucks an hour, which would be great. So he went out, he basically went out to wherever your day laborers were, uh, whatever place that was, and he went up to him and said, hey, you guys have nothing to do today. I'm going to pay you $150, $200 today to work in my field. And they do 12-hour days. It says he agreed to pay that wage, and at 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through to the marketplace, and he saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same. At 5 o'clock that afternoon, one hour before their quitting, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in the vineyard. Then that evening, he told the foreman to call the workers and pay them, beginning with the last workers first, which is odd that you would do this. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. So here's what's happening. The, the people that have only been there an hour go first, and you see them get a full day's wage. So everyone who was there the entire day, immediately, you know what you're thinking. You're going, oh, man, they worked one hour and they got that. So if I worked a full day, I mean, that's 10, 12 times. If, you know, it's, I was originally going to get 150 bucks. Now I'm getting like 10 times that, so I'm getting over like $1,000. They're thinking in their mind, this is awesome. They're getting excited. Man, this is what's going to happen. They're probably thinking about what they're going to spend it on. I don't know what you splurge on back then, like a new camel or something. But they're, they're excited about it. They're excited about it. And so they see that happen. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Their expectations change, right? Their expectations change. And it says this in verse 10. It says, when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. They were mad at the owner. Here's what's interesting. Did the owner cheat them? No. Did he, did he give them what he, something different than what he said? No. What happened? All of a sudden, their expectations change. What they believed they deserved changed. In the beginning, they were thrilled to get paid what they were going to get paid. 
But all of a sudden, when they saw something different, their expectations change. I mean, this happens to us all the time. Somebody at work gets a raise or a promotion. Someone around you all of a sudden gets a new boyfriend or a girlfriend. And all of a sudden, you're not happy about what's happening in your life. In fact, I see this many times with new Christians. See this with Christians in general. They go through life. They start off. They're very excited. They're doing everything they're supposed to. They're, you know, they're reading their Bible. They're going to group. They're, they're serving God. They're doing all these things. And somewhere along the line, around 9 to 12 months, they look around and God didn't give them everything they want. And they go, wait, what's going on? It's like all of a sudden God has become that new genie in their life. They're going, God, I'm doing all these things. You guys have heard me say this before. But many times as Christians, we treat God like a vending machine. We walk up and we go, all right, God, I'm praying every day. Um, I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I serve the homeless. I do all this stuff. And then we hit D20 and we're like, where's my whatever? We do. We go, hey, God, what in the world? I've been serving you this entire time. Where's my boyfriend or girlfriend? Where's my new job? Where's this? Or we look at somebody who's been a Christian less than us and we're like, how come they get one? And we get mad. And we look in, we look around, all of a sudden, what is it? We're expecting something of God that he never promised to us in the first place. See, every time something doesn't go our way, every time something goes wrong, we have a choice on how we react. Is it something that we expected to have? And here's what I'm not saying. Our goal is not to lower our expectations or make them higher. Our goal is to have our expectations right on bat, what we actually deserve and what we should have. I mean, here's, here's what's interesting. When people say, I just want to get what I deserve, according to the Bible, that's not a good thing. Like, if we look at the Bible, what we deserve is hell. What we deserve is, is not something that's great. In fact, what we don't deserve is heaven, but God said, I'm going to make a way. God, in all of his graciousness, said, I love you so much, I'm going to send my son, even though you continue to mess up. It's not like you just messed up one time. You continue to do it over and over and over again. So I'm going to send my son, and he's going to give that way. And our reaction in the beginning of that were, hey, God's got my eternity taken care of. That's awesome. Like on that day that we accept Christ, we're like, yes, this is amazing. But then as time goes on, we're like, yeah, eternity is great, but what about this? Or what about what's happening right in front of me? And the Bible actually says in our gratitude, we should be gracious just for the fact that he gave us that, even if he doesn't give us anything else. And you know, it's interesting when you think about it in the light of eternity, what's happening right now in my life is minute. We're like, God, you took care of heaven. You took care of eternity, but I've got a flat tire. Why have you left me? We do. It's so quick. It's, it happens so fast. And what happens, what we have to do is we have to make sure our expectations are aligned with God's promises. God does have promises in the Bible for us, but there are a lot of things that are going out there that we believe we should have that God never promised to us. Either we decided in our hearts or we made a deal with God, which we've all done, where we said, if I do these things, then you should do this. Or we've seen an Instagram post that said, God will give you these things. And you're like, oh, that must be from the Bible. And it's not. And we assume and we get mad because expectations that God never gave us, we expected them to come through on. See, really, everything outside of the cross that God does for us is icing on the cake. It's something extra that he has done for us. But what happens with us so many times is I don't think it's necessarily that we expect something. I think our expectations change because somebody else got something. I think our expectations because we change what we believe we deserve when we see somebody else get something. I've seen this happen with my, with my son so many times. But the other day, it's like this perfect example. We're, we're getting done. They get done with dinner, and we're like, hey, we've got ice cream. So I go, and we make them ice cream. I put it down in front of them. He's thrilled. It's ice cream. And he's four. He's five now. And he's like, man, I love ice cream. He's excited. He's a kid with ice cream. It's very similar to what would happen if you put ice cream in front of me. Like, I would be very excited. And he's thrilled about it. But then, then his cousin 
right across the table gets ice cream too, but her ice cream has sprinkles on it. Guess what? He no longer likes his ice cream. He's like, whoa, how come she gets sprinkles? No longer is he excited about the ice cream. Now he's going, why does she get sprinkles and I don't get sprinkles? See, I think we do the same thing. Actually, for some of us, all it would take is sprinkles for us to get mad. But here's what happens. God blesses us. We're like, this is amazing. God, thank you. But then somebody else gets blessed and we go, but I want that. What about that? Well, why, why haven't you done this for me? And we look at what's happening around us and our expectations get bigger because of what other people have. And so what we see here is the owner basically saying back to them in Matthew 20, verse 11, 12, he says this is, when they received their pay, they protested to the owner, those people worked only an hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us, who only worked all day in the scorching heat. They're going, hey, we worked outside in the heat of the day. They're literally in this, this side, they're going, it was the hospital. It's like Tampa in August. Like we worked at that time, and this happened. What happens here? Entitlement turns their hearts from gratitude to jealousy. And in this moment, in this moment, their relationships have become poisoned. See, this is what entitlement does, is it poisons our relationships. And there's a couple relationships already that's being poisoned. One, they're looking at the master and they're going, well, we don't like you because you didn't give us what we think we deserve. But they're also looking at everybody else that worked the hour or two hours. And they're going, you don't deserve that either. See, it's amazing how entitlement, it starts to poison all of our relationships because that's what jealousy does. Imagine how they could have responded. They could have gone, man, we work for an incredibly gracious owner. He realizes that those people only work three, four, one hour, also have families, also have bills. And because he cares about people so much, he decided to pay all of them. This is the kind of guy I want to work for. In fact, I want to work for him tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm not going to come until five, but I want to work for him tomorrow. Right? They could have looked at it a totally different way. They're like, man, this is an incredible guy. Instead, they looked at what he gave and they decided to use his graciousness They decided to use his ability to give things away and say that it was a bad thing. And that's what it does. It starts to poison those around you. Have you ever been around someone who's angry about something or feels entitled and they start talking to you about it and you just go, you know, you're right. I deserve that too. Why didn't I get that? It starts to move around. It's kind of like this. I remember going off to college and my mom taught me how to do laundry, but I didn't believe everything she said was true. I, I, let, me, let me explain it this way. It, the, the whole idea of having to separate whites and darks, like I didn't understand that. Like it says color safe bleach. It's fine. And so I remember going off to college and get, like we're in there and I'm going, oh man, you know what? I got to do some laundry real quick. And I had almost all whites and then I had a couple blue shirts that I threw in there with. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. I did the laundry. You know exactly what happened. All of a sudden it comes out. All my whites are now light blue. I'm like, it's, I guess it's my new favorite color. Because what happened? It, that one piece of... That one garment affected all of it. That's what entitlement does in our lives. What it does is it gets into our life and it starts to spread to those around us. It starts to change their view of what's going on. When you're around someone who is jealous, when you're around someone who is entitled, it changes your view of what you have and what they have also. I mean, when you're around an entitled friend, nobody likes to be around that person because there's no grace. They're the, they're the ones that go, I, I texted you, why didn't you text right back? You're like, well, my mom, you know, she's going through all this stuff. I don't care about your mom, you didn't text me back. You know, it's the one that is, is never forgives. See, entitled people don't forgive because they're like, you did this to me, I don't deserve that. So they hold on to these things. I, I want to say one of the bigger areas that you've got to watch out for is entitlement in dating relationships. And let me say this, if, you were enti- if you're dating someone who is entitled and you're going towards marriage, you need to take a step back. Because entitled people in marriage are disasters. In fact, I would say this, most marriages fail because of entitlement. It looks in one of two ways. It's either the side of, I believe 
that the only way you love me is by doing all these things for me because this is what I deserve. Or it's the other side of someone that goes out and does whatever they want. And they said, well, you didn't come through on your side, so I deserve this. And it, it hurts and it shames and it causes all kinds of heartbreak. And let me just say this. If you are with someone that you find is incredibly entitled, everything that you do, they go, well, I deserve this or we should have done this or they're complaining about this. You should take a step back nicely and help them understand or take a full step back and allow them to figure it out on their own. Because going into a relationship, even a friendship with someone who is entitled, causes you, it literally poisons your entire relationship and your view on what's going on. We also see it in the church. I think this is where entitlement comes in. You, see, you have a very narcissistic idea of faith nowadays many times where the church is all about me. And so I will go to this church, this church, and this church and be a consumer in all these things but never serve anywhere. I will go over here for this. I will go over here for that. I will listen to this. I will do that, but I won't serve. I won't plug in anywhere. I've seen this big time with people that will come up and they'll go, so, and if, if you've asked me this, I'm, I'm not going after you. Uh, it, you'll come, they'll be like, so what are you teaching about tomorrow? And not that they're actually just wanting to know. They're deciding whether or not they're going to go. They're like, what, what are you teaching about tomorrow? I'm like, why do you want to know? Well, I don't want to decide whether or not I want to go. It's like, well, you missed the idea of church because church isn't about you. You may get nothing in the message, but it may be afterwards where someone breaks down in front of you and you're the one there to help them out. You may be the one in small group that has the answer for the person that just had a tragedy happen in their life because you've been through the same thing. See, church is not just about what we're getting. It's about what we're giving back. And then when you look at the church in the Bible, nowhere in there was Jesus ever like, oh, church is a place where you just kind of go and get as much as you can, and that's what you should do. No, it's a place where you're supposed to give back. It's this idea, it actually says in the Bible, you go from spiritual milk to eating solid foods. It's kind of like this. My son, when he was growing up, when he moved to like applesauce and those, those foods, Chrissy would feed him. And you have to have this like special skill when you're feeding little kids baby food. Like you put it in, they spit it out because they're not very smart. And so you just like, they put it in and then you swoop across and you get it back in and then you swoop back and you get it back in. It's like this skill. And you see, and I would watch it, it's like, wow, that's amazing. You're like, you somehow get it all in. And it's normal because he's a baby. Imagine for a second that you went out to eat with me and Chrissy. And we're sitting there at the table, and all of a sudden our food came. And our food came, and I put my napkin in my shirt. Then I turned to my wife, and she reached over and grabbed my spoon and started feeding me that way. I don't know if there's one of you that would stay. <laughs> the only reason you would stay is you do that. Exactly, bringing up the phone going, you guys will not believe this. <laughs> and then we would never see you again. But that's what we do. This is what entitlement does to us. We decide everything is about me. It needs to serve me. It is about me. All my relationships need to serve me. My parents need to serve me. My job is all about me. My church is all about me. And what we have is we develop this narcissism that we have in America. I mean, imagine what it's like for someone that's not entitled. Have you ever been around that person? There's someone that absolutely loves every time you succeed. You ever told somebody a great story of your succession, like you've done something great and you can tell they're not very happy about it because it didn't happen to them? But someone who's not entitled is thrilled every time you succeed. In fact, they're incredibly gracious. They're quick to forgive. They're, one, they're somebody you want to be around. And so the idea of entitlement is not, not something that we want in our lives, but how do we cure it? It's actually, it's kind of simple. It's the idea of gratitude. Matthew 20, 13, 15 says this. It says, he answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual, usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? Because I am gracious to others? 
I heard a pastor say it, entitlement ends where gratitude begins. It, it kind of goes together. Entitlement ends where gratitude begins. And, and you think about it, even the last 24 hours, how grateful have you been for what you have? Even if things have gone the wrong way, how grateful are you for it? I mean, the idea that you even have air condition or a car or you have good health. I mean, our internet went out on Sunday, and I'm sitting there going, what in the world? This is awful. This is awful. What am I even supposed to do with my life? We have no internet. And it went out again today, and I'm like, oh, we need to switch companies. This is not even possible. And, and it's crazy because it, it's when you go on, like, this is why I love going on mission trips is because you go on mission trips and you see people that have absolutely nothing who absolutely love God. They love God in spite of the fact that they have nothing, where we love God based on what we have. I remember going into Cuba and helping a church over there where they have absolutely nothing. I mean, they would, I think their average wage was $6 a month. They would get protein once a week. Like it was, it was just an absolute poverty. And I remember the pastor going, I pray for you guys all the time in the United States. And we're like, what? And this like little United States inside of us went, well, why? We, we need to pray for you. We're United States. He goes, because everything you guys have, all it does is it keeps you from focusing on God. Everything you have, all it does is it diverts your attention from God. It takes away, we don't have anything, so we're always looking at God. You guys have so many things in your life that can take you away from God. And it's so true. That's what we do is we have, we have the ability to have this incredible stuff, but all we look at is what else we could have. There's a church that um, basically made a video on gratitude. It was kind of like the idea of what would it would look like if you treated every day or everything you have like Christmas every morning. Um, it's kind of a funny video, so I'll go ahead and show it real quick. Just go ahead and look up there. I'm alive! I'm alive! Yeah? Yeah! Oh, yeah! Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? Honey, the power works! It's coming! It goes on and off! Whatever we want! We've got clean water! Oh, that's great. Look at that. Ooh. I bet I know what this does! Bring down the glorious water! Ah, shoes. Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food! Mm, I love food. A food food? Ooh, do I have work? I wonder what it would be like if while you were asleep, some, well, your roommate, parents, wherever you live, uh, they went out and they, they wrapped your car and they said, guess what? There's a car out there just for you. And you went out and you ripped it off and you realized it was your car. How mad would you be? You'd probably be, oh my gosh. But it's so true. Do you know less than, it's like less than 1% of the, the world owns a car? I mean, it's one of those things where when you realize what you really have, even when the bad things happen, it's, it's okay. It's like my car broke down. Well, at least I have a car that even broke down. You know, my, I have really bad allergies right now. Well, at least I know I even have allergies because my health is that good. 
You know, I, I, oh man, I got to go to work today. It was a bad day at work. Well, at least I have a job. It's one of those things, like, it, it sounds like a lot. It sounds like something that we wouldn't do. And you're like, come on, how? why would you do that? It's the idea that even though when things are going bad, we realize how much we're already blessed. How much we're already blessed. And so what we have to do is we actually have to start practicing thanking God for what we have. I know that sounds weird, but we do. There's times where we just have to decide, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be thankful for God. There's times where, you know, I go, okay, let me just write down the things that I have that I should be thankful for. My my son is incredible at this. Every single night, he literally, when he wants to not go to sleep, he thanks God for every single person in his life. Like every single person that we've ever met. And then at the end, he goes, and I thank you for all the children in the world. Apparently the adults don't matter, but all the children in the world absolutely matter. But it's something we had to, I mean, think about when was the last time you sat down and you were actually just thankful for something? Was it Thanksgiving dinner when everybody said, all right, let's go around the table and say what we're thankful for? And you're like, gosh, not again. Like, and so when was the last time you were doing it? And I think that's what we actually have to do. In fact, one thing you can do, and I would challenge you to do this, is set an alarm. Set an alarm on your phone. This week, I mean, leading up to Easter, what better week to do this? And when the alarm goes off, you go, you list 10 things that you're thankful for. What is it in your moment right now that you have that you should be thankful for? Or something that you also should do, and, and I, I think you should do this before the night ends. There's somebody in your life right now that you need to text and thank. Somebody that you need to say thank you to, whether it's a, it's a close friend, whether it's a parent, whether it's a boss, whether it's somebody around you. And here's what we tend to do. We tend not to thank the people that are closest to us. It's the people, we start to just assume that that's what they want to do because they love us, and so we don't say thank you anymore. And so we choose not to do those things. It's kind of like this, though. Here's what's interesting. Have you ever done something for someone and they didn't say thank you and you just assumed that they were thankful but they didn't say it? No, right? We don't, we don't assume that. But many times when somebody does something for us, we're like, oh, should I say they thank you? No, they, they know. They know. And we need to look at the people around us that are closest to us and continue to thank them. And tonight, I, I do. I, I challenge you. Send a text. Be specific. Go, hey, you know what? I haven't said this in a while, but thank you for this in my life. See, here's the biggest problem when we lose gratitude, when we get entitlement, is it totally hurts our relationship with God. It actually separates us from God. I mean, America as a whole, the entire idea of God is, a, is an idea of entitlement. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but if you go up to most people, their idea of God is this, is that why, why do you deserve heaven? Well, I believe I'm a good person, or I believe I have a good heart, or I've done enough good things. How entitled is it of a person to tell a God who created the earth, who created us, who is, fi- who is not finite, who is infinite, all these things that I have decided, God, that I'm good enough and you should let me in. How entitled is that idea? But it goes in even to our Christian life where we go, God, it's great that you did this for me, but you haven't been working for me lately. It's great that I have eternity, but you know, these things are not lining up, so I'm going to find something else that makes me happy. I'm going to find something else that fulfills the need in our lives. And here's what happens. Here's what entitlement always does. It separates us from God. Either before we met him or even after, whenever we're entitled, we decide that God is not who he should be in our minds. I love this verse in Philippians. It's, it's where Jesus sets the example of humility. It says this, says, you must have the same attitude of that of Jesus, Jesus Christ had. He said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. I mean, think about it. He was God. Any moment he could have just said, all right, everyone's going to bow to me, and we would have. He could have any moment just gone, you know what, this isn't worth it. 
But he decided, he decided, I am God, but I am going to humble myself to something that a God doesn't have to deal with, death. Uh, Something that a God should never have to deal with, and that is pain and agony and all the things that he dealt with. He decided, I'm going to give up all those things. See, that's what it looks like to be humility, to have humility, to be the opposite of entitlement. See, Jesus didn't say, what is owed to me? He goes, what can I give to others? Because this week, as we're leading up to Easter, this is literally a time where we should put aside our entitlement and remember exactly how much Jesus did. This entire week is about being re- remembering, being thankful, having gratitude for what was already done for us. The fact that our future is taken care of and we know that he is in our hands. Guys, I, I promise you, this is something that if you do this week, it will change your outlook. The more gracious you are, the more you thank those around you, the more it changes your outlook and the, more, the happier you are, the more joy you have with what you've already been blessed with. It's something that we have to choose to do every single day. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Um, for who you are, God, I thank you that you set the example first. God, I pray this week that as uh, we go throughout our week, God, I pray that we will be thankful for the things around us. Uh, we'll pay attention to the things that we have, the areas that you bless us in, and not the things that we don't. God, I pray that you allow us not to look at other people's blessings and the things they have is something that we deserve also, but it's something that you bless them with and we should be happy for also. God, I, I thank you that you died for our sins. I thank you that you decided to love us even when we weren't loving you. God, I thank you that we get to even celebrate that this week. God, I pray that your example would be something that continues to affect the way that we live. God, we thank you for that. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.